Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. How do you make the learning experience feel like a ride at Disneyland? Our guest, Kevin Carrington, will share how he uses scenario-based learning to turn students into secret agents so that they can tackle engaging STEM-based missions. Kevin's creativity and professional endeavors have connected him locally and internationally in public sectors, nonprofits, healthcare, technology, the education systems, and entrepreneurship. Early in his career, he realized that disruptive ideas lie at the core of significant change and progress. Kevin founded the C3 initiative to unlock the STEM solutions in the minds of our youth. C3 reaches young people who may not have the opportunity or exposure within the tech space, including robotics and coding. They empower kids to aspire to more and inspire them not to only change their own future, but ours as well. This work is one of Kevin's proudest accomplishments and there is still more to come. Kevin, thanks so much for being part of our podcast. Oh no, thank you, thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited <laughs> that you're here as well. I like to start the podcast by asking you to describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student. Oh wow! Uh, just one. Yes, <laughs> I've, just one. I've had. I've been. I've been blessed to have quite a few. One very memorable experience, you know, that I remember is I was in my computer information systems bachelor program, and I had a professor. His name was Dr. Everett. He came in the room, and we all had our textbooks that we had to purchase and all this kind of stuff. And this was one of our coding classes, and he came in the room. And he sat down at his desk and he pulled out these little strips of paper and he just handed them out to everyone. And then he said, it's doing a couple, it's doing a couple days. And he walked out So we're like, what, what is this? And literally, you know, the, on the paper, it, it basically said, you are a farmer and you have X amount of, of hay and they're at various rates of, of cost and you need to develop a cash register for the farm so that you know it was easy to kind of help those transitions. It was almost like a complete crash between practicality of what we were learning and the textbook, you know what I mean? Like the ability to actually sit down and understand that, oh, wait a minute, there is an extreme practicality to what we were learning at that moment and how we can make it real. And it was just next level. Like, it, you know, I love that class so much. And that ended up being the predominant coursework for us. Every other week, he would come in with another sheet of paper, with another scenario that we had to kind of just build a code for. And it was amazing. And I learned more out of that class from Dr. Everett Roper than I did from any other, you know, any other coding or computer science class that I ever took because of the connection between practicality and what we were actually learning. And I mean, most of the people in the class were light years, you know, beyond what the textbook would have had us, you know, learn and become because of that, you know? So that's one experience that, that sticks out really uh, big in my mind. The other, I'm just gonna add this little piece of it. I always like to give out shout outs to the teachers that I've had when I was younger. I had a teacher named Miss Howard. She was our AP physics in high school uh, teacher. 
she took the physics book and she crossed out all of the formulas in our physics book. She crossed it out. And what she explained to us, these are very, it's a very practical science in the way that things are calculated. And so I'm going to show you how to build these formulas from just critically thinking through what's necessary. So for instance, like acceleration, you know, how do you calculate acceleration? So her question to these high school kids in an AP physics class was when you think about acceleration, took it outside and threw a, a baseball, you know, across the field. It was like, okay, we just accelerated that baseball, you know, into the air. So what are some of the things that were acting upon that ball that you would assume would be used in calculating acceleration? And to see us as high schoolers thinking critically on that level to basically say, okay, there must've been some force in there. There must've been some time in there. There must've been some, you know what I mean? There must've been and us developing these components and then being able to check it against what the actual formula was. It, it just empowered us, man. You know, it really empowered us to be able to, to see how far uh, we could go with the things and the solutions that were inside of our minds already. So those are the two biggest moments that stand out. Big shout out to Ms. Howard and Dr. Everett Roper. <laughs> and I forgive you for doing two experiences. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no worries, no. I, but I see a connection between the two because both of them made you think outside of the textbook, right? Absolutely. And that there's power in that. Learning is extremely practical. And I think one of the best things those teachers could have done for me, a kid like me, right, was to connect the practicality to the science. And once they did that, learning wasn't a chore. It was like really exciting. You know what I mean? So you're right. <laughs> and now after college, it seems like your main background was developed in business development. What got you interested again in becoming involved with STEM education for kids? I would say that I never lost my interest in tech. I, I started my academic career in college in the aerospace aeronautics program. And I, you know, so I was there two and a half years into the program as a, as an engineer. And I did a, um, like a internship at, at a, at a local engineering firm. And I realized very quickly that like th this component of engineering just wasn't, it just wasn't me, you know, you know what I mean? I, but what I was struggling between was I was still very connected to science. I was still very connected to tech in particular. So uh, after, you know, after arguments with my dad and changing my major, <laughs> I, I feel like you know what I mean. I <laughs> like, know what you mean. <laughs> parent, parents are intense. But what was funny is I did a double major. I still got a major in business, but I also got a undergraduate degree in computer information systems. So I never really let go of it. Um, then I got into business and it, it just felt right. But I never lost that passion for tech. And so when I started my company, Carrington, I, I really had this big draw or pull to create some type of social element to what we were doing, you know, not just generating profit, but finding a way to impact the community in some kind of way. And obviously, you know, the, you know, tech was, was for sure a, a thing I wanted to use. But when I, I walked into a bathroom one day and what I saw on the wall and, you know, what's on the wall in a bathroom is not usually something you want to repeat in a, in a, public, in a public forum, but this one was, I mean, profound. 
It said, what if the cure for cancer was trapped inside of the mind of a kid who can't afford an education? I was like, like, oh my, I was like, oh my goodness. Because it reminded me of what those teachers taught me when I was younger is that you're right. There are solutions that we're all kind of born with. We just need to be taught how to critically think. And so what I ended up doing is using proceeds from our company at Carrington to fund this event called the C3 Expo, where we would take minority kids or underprivileged kids and take them out and teach them some type of tech skill, whether it's you know coding, robotics, what have you. And it's, uh, it's turned into something pretty exciting you know, from those days. Now we're here yeah. to talk about scenario-based learning and yeah, obviously yeah. how C3 uses it, but let's start mm-hmm. from scratch. How yeah. would you define scenario-based learning and what does that mean to you? It sounds a lot more complicated than, than it actually is. The way I define scenario-based learning is, I'll use a very practical example. I learned to swim when I was about five years old and my great-grandmother, I was blessed to have her alive you know, and, and meet her and spend time with her. Um, my family's from Barbados. And so as a young kid, my parents sent us to go spend the summer with my great-grandmother in Barbados. And I didn't know how to swim. And the way she taught me how to swim was she grabbed me by the ankle and just threw me in the ocean. Right? Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Were you okay? And, yeah. I, I learned how to swim. That's the, I learned how to swim. Obviously it's an extreme, it's an extreme example, but what it taught me in my, you know, in my older years is that oftentimes we have the ability to do things that oftentimes seem outside of our ability. Like we at least have the foundational components of it. And so what, but what we need is we need the skill set. We need, we need those components that we can add to the way we think to help us do things. So what scenario-based learning is to me, it is placing individuals in practical scenarios where they will experience the need, have a mission or something to accomplish, and all they need are the tools. So instead of trying to you know, give concepts that are disconnected from real life scenarios or real life issues or practical issues, what we do is we just create the, you know, a scenario or create a practical issue. And then what we do is we provide the tools to people so that they can learn not just the uh, skill set, but also the application at the same time. So that to me is what scenario-based learning is and how I feel like it's extremely impactful for individuals that learn like, like myself. Right. It sounds like by setting up the scenario, almost the why you need these tools, you mm-hmm. almost naturally provide motivation for why you want to learn those tools, right? <laughs> especially, especially if there's a connection between the why and the person who needs to learn it. Uh, I think oftentimes, I mean, you know, in school, the question I hear all the time is, why do I need to learn this? And for some reason, we save that answer till after your test or after your exam. It's like, so, so with scenario-based learning, we answer that question up front. Here's why you need to answer this. And for the most part, everyone is interested in sol- solving problems, right? The way we solve those problems is it differs between us. You know, some people would prefer to, you know, to be the thinker on, on it. Some people would prefer to be the maker on it. Some people would prefer to be the designer on it. Some people would prefer to be the, 
the, the helper. You know, it just, it, it like, that's where the preference difference, but we all want to solve problems. And so putting the why up front, you're absolutely right. Putting the why up front connects into everyone to it. And then it's a matter of finding like, well, how can I help? You know what I mean? How can I provide support with my skill set and the thing that I'm good at and what have you? So there's a lot of empowerment in that as well. It sounds like scenario-based learning also seems to encourage collaboration because like you said, everyone oh. has a common goal and they feel like they can play to their strengths and play to the roles that they like to play. Is that what you've seen? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, collaboration, it's a wonderful thing because it's almost a validating exercise as well. Like it validates that what you have to contribute to this situation is necessary. It's needed in order for us to accomplish the goal. That's exactly what we've seen. We've seen that um, when we take kids who unfortunately haven't been even told what their value truly is, and they get to find their value in something, and then they get to see a successful result of their, you know, participation or their ideas or, or the work that they, they provide. I mean, it is so empowering. Like it is, I mean, like I've seen kids come in who don't want to be there at all and have found their space and they're like the most excited, you know, most excited, most engaged kids that you'll ever see. And so you're absolutely right. That's really what the, what it also helps promote. And even when troubleshooting you know, is a very frustrating process, but it's a little different when you're troubleshooting something that you're passionate about versus something you have no interest in. So no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And you mentioned these C3 expos where you're trying out scenario-based learning. Can you describe what an expo is like? Like what are the facilitators doing and what are the students doing for these different learning scenarios? Imagine going to a classroom, someone standing at a board, and they're just writing syntax on the board, and you're, and you're learning in that lecture style, right? That is our conventional teaching method. That's what you typically see. At a C3 Expo, it's more like a ride at Disney. Like You show up, and you're instantly thrown into a story. We deputize kids as junior C3 agents when they show up on site. Everyone from our, you know, cosplayers to our mentors to our registration people, everyone's in character. Uh, everyone is, is uh, just feeding and fueling the storyline. And the kids are given a, are briefed in a mission that needs to be accomplished that day. Uh, and so the kids are usually attached to a superhero that you would find in like a Marvel comics or a DC comics or something like that. Usually attached to helping one of the heroes that they you know, love uh, accomplish a mission that they can't accomplish without the C3 team. And so the kids are then kind of briefed on what the mission is, what the problem is they need to solve, who they're helping. And then what ends up happening is the kids are then taken into learning modules where they meet with other junior agents who have already learned the program, right? They've already learned the the project. And the junior agents are actually helping them learn the material, the skill sets that they need to learn. There is a instructor 
and that instructor is giving the basic principles, right? Just giving the basic principles of, hey, he, you know, here's the, the section that we're going to be working on. Here's how this works. And they're practically doing it as the instructor is walking them through and their peer-to-peer -peer learner is there helping them work through it. Then the day culminates where uh, the kids then get to see what they built in action. And so uh, they get to see either the superhero that they were trying to help get the mission accomplished. Uh, sometimes that's in a digital space, but when we do our face-to-faces, like the kids get to see their hero and get to see the work that they've done. And it is mind-blowing how engaged the kids are from the parking lot to the end of the program. Like they are just dialed in, <laughs> dialed in the entire time. It is, it is phenomenal. Um, you've got to see it. You just got to see it. <laughs> well, I've seen videos of it and I oh, want to yeah, nice. emphasize when you say that the students at the end see their superheroes accomplish, I don't think, <laughs> I, I feel like you have to add more detail here because I think yeah. others think, oh, it's a photo or it's a comic book image or a video. No, no. Can you describe in detail what you yeah. mean by they literally see the hero? Yeah. So what, you know, one year we did a, um, one year we did a Wakanda theme storyline and, and we turned the facility that we utilized into the throne room in Wakanda. So we got a, a two movie scale copy of the throne built <laughs> and the entire room was set up to look like the, the throne room in Wakanda. And the kids were able to develop their projects uh, right there in the throne room. And at the end, uh, the Dora Milaje came out. So we actually had cosplayers who play, who looked like the Dora Milaje. And uh, we also had some Black Panther, you know, uh, folks to come out and wave thank you to the kids. And so it's like them being able to be immersed in, I think we even, we even had one one area set up as kind of like a weapons area. Like, you know, like scientists have been building weapons for the Wakandans. And, or Shuri's, you know, Shuri was building weapons for the Wakandans, and we had some people come through, and some of the folks that, yeah, some of our potential donors, and and some of the people who've been supporting us, and to see like 60, 70 year old people like playing with gauntlets and like with the kids, it was it's amazing. It it is truly an experience because you know this type, this level of intentionality and detail is not usually put into the learning experience for kids. We want to put that level of detail and attention uh, into kids learning. And once they see that you're invested in their learning, then, you know, they, they latch onto it. So yeah, it's like, it's not just a picture. Like we have people showing up. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you literally build a theme park for kids yeah. to learn inside of, right? That is the best way to describe it. We literally build a, a learning theme park. And that's what the expo is. Right? I mean, talk about I investment. They, I, I, yeah. Like you said, it, they truly feel like you're invested in that's how right. they're learning. That's right. I believe someone told me a long time ago that people will always rise to your expectations of them. Right. And I, at first I was just kind of like, well, are you sure about that? And I actually practice it, whether it's in my day job, when you have your teams and if you tell your team, hey, I expect you to perform at a level of greatness, 
they rise to that. And I don't think it's any different with our kids. Like when you put the intentionality behind it and your expectation is that they're already brilliant. They're already smart. The environment and the things that are going on around them is what kind of creates the roller coaster that takes their life where it is. But they're already intelligent beings. You know what I mean? Like it's a great takeaway for anyone to make sure people feel like they can rise to expectations. In your description, you also mentioned peer-to-peer learning as a key component in the expo experience. Uh, could you describe how you found opportunities to encourage that kind of peer-to-peer learning within the C3 Expo? When we first started the C3 Expo, we kind of used typical methodology, you know, where we just had an instructor and then we had the, you know, act, you know, I think at one point we just had the actors kind of, you know, there doing some things. And then we had an instructor who was explaining things to kids. And what was happening is we noticed that we could visually see the difference in, in learning pace between the kids, you know what I mean? So there were some kids that came in that they were just like, they, they seem like they've been coding from birth. Like they're just like, done. <laughs> and, and then there were others that were just kind of like, and, and you know the blank stare, like you've seen it before, where it's just kind of like, like what, what exactly, why did I need a backspace? Or why do I need this? I don't understand. And so what we decided to do is take kids who had previously gone through C3. So this was the first time we, we decided to put the peer-to-peer model uh, in place, we took kids who had previously gone through a C3, and before the next event, we took maybe about six weeks, and we basically just trained them on how to complete the project. So they essentially, we engaged them not just to the learning themselves when they went through C3, but we also engaged them to how do you teach this to someone? And I, I'm a big believer, yeah, I learned this from my uncle, he used to say this to me all the time, it's like, it's great to learn something, but you know, you really know it when you can explain it to someone, right? And so that's what we pretty much uh, have done with our mentors. We have youth mentors who are, you know, our official junior agents. And what they, what they do is they learn the project in advance. And then when the day of the event comes on, they already know, you know, the code, they know how it works out. And so when you get those kids who kind of have that blank stare on their face, they know how to tell that kid, oh, don't worry. Like I, I learned how to do this. And there is something special when it comes to learning from a peer as opposed to learning from an instructor or someone like that. I mean, whether it's knowing how to talk to each other, they are on an even level on how to communicate. Uh, They're on an even level on what's possible, being able to see someone who looks like you and is similar in your age, who knows how to do this. And believe it or not, they are some of the best encouragers I've ever seen. <laughs> like, like they will stick in with you. And I've seen uh, many of them. I have a photo where one of the kids is like, like she has her hands and she's like praying as the other kid is like putting their robot on the track. To- <laughs> and it's just like, they, they're so invested in each other. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. And so we decided to, to make it a consistent part of our, of our learning process that not only are they all in the scenario, but the junior agents are there to kind of provide that one-on-one experience with the kids. And it's a, it pays off huge. Like 
it really does. <laughs> I was gonna ask. I mean, I love that story where she's praying yeah. for her little yeah, yeah. <laughs> mentee. How do you right. get your junior agents to be so invested and engaged yeah. in in the scenario themselves? Because I mean, they've already gone through it. How do you get them invested and interested right. again? Well, you know, there's something about responsibility that I think we we overlook. You can go through something as a participant. But when you go through it as a responsible party, it has a totally different experience. We're telling our mentees, we're saying like, okay, you're responsible for this kid right here to successfully accomplish the class. And then we teach them how to teach. You know, we get some, we obviously had those few kids that was like, I'll just do it for you real quick. <laughs> it was like, that doesn't work. So we, <laughs> we, we obviously take them through kind of, you know, how to, how to teach and how to let the kid learn. But the way we identify these individuals is for the kids that come through C3, we're watching them. We kind of see the ones who have a really strong affinity for it. And our, our director of curriculum will approach the parent and just say, hey, it looks like your kid has a real promise for this. We'd like to make them an official junior agent. And then the parent gets lit up. They're like, oh, this is great. I've been looking for things for this kid to do. And blah, blah, blah. And so now the kids are like, hey, you know, we make it a little thing where we tell the parent and we, and we pull the kid aside and say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to give you a, a bigger mission. We want you to become a, a full time agent. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, like, again, that responsibility, that added responsibility is what makes them engaged because now they're like, all right, like I'm ready to learn it. I'm ready to teach it. And, um, and, and it, it, it engages them in a different way for sure. Well, I like how you spent the extra time to bake it into the scenario that they're becoming full-time oh, yeah. agents. <laughs> that, you know what, that's like, that has been our game changer. You know, it's, it's, you know, this, it, well, I'll say this, it's really fun for us, it's really fun for us, you know, to kind of create this, this world where, you know, C3 Initiative is this secret organization whose intent on training underrepresented youth so that they can change the future. It's like that story is compelling in and of itself. And when kids come in and they see some of the companies that we partner with, to accomplish missions, all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh wait, are you guys really is? <laughs> it's like the, the kids are like, wait a minute, I I know that company, I've seen that company before, and what what <laughs> like is this real? And so it, it's it, it is a, it is a beautiful line that we walk, you know, between um, when art truly gets to affect life. You know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> we feel the same way. We we spent a lot of time investment in art and music yeah. for our games, and one of them is Aria. The, the kids are literally a hero tasked to save the world yeah. using yeah. the power yeah. of code, and it's magical to see when you give them that hero role. Yeah, how much yeah. they'll run with it if you really commit to it too. You can't just say That's right. this is the story, the end. <laughs> like you really do need to commit to it. <laughs> You got it. And you're right. I I think that commitment to it is what makes it real. And I think, especially in this new, this new generation, I think oftentimes we want to write them off. And I think that's the worst possible thing. I just think that this new generation is way smarter than, than we were at their age. You know what I mean? And, and so at the end of the day, they are very dialed in to when you're not invested, like, they can tell, you know what I mean? So that's why I love, you know, like what, what companies like yours does, you know, because you take that extra step 
at, at really saying like, no, we're like, we're truly invested in this and it's going somewhere. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's the other piece of it. It's like, yes, we're invested in you, but it's not to give you a grade. Like it's not to, and I'm not saying there's anything bad with that. You know, we all have, you know, have to get our A's and B's, you know, but um, it, you know, especially what, what you guys do, it's like, no, this is leading to a potential future for you or, you know, a pretend, you know, a, a totally different direction than when you thought your life would go, you know? So I, I love what you guys are doing. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> we love what you're doing too. And speaking of which, I know you're planning to expand beyond the C3 Expo. What are your plans for expanding the C3 initiative? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We're developing a pipeline and this is, this is um, really more about the impact that we're gonna make on the industry to date. The tech industry continues to have issues with diversity. It continues to have issues with finding staff, period, to be able to progress technology in the given sectors beyond where it is today. And so one of the areas we, we really want to make an impact on is workforce development. Uh, and that's you know ensuring that we can flood the industry with truly capable programmers, designers, makers that are black, that are brown, who can actually do the work so that they can sit at these tables where solutions are created. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, that there are solutions. Well, let's just talk about the problem. There are problems that I think sometimes we only evaluate one perspective of the problem. And so from that one perspective, we develop a solution that has a single perspective. So we go in with the same people sitting around the table, we develop a solution and it comes out only serving maybe one perspective of the experience. And so I always say, you know, all the time, diversity is not a metric, it's a mindset. And, and what that means is if we're sitting at a table and we at least recognize that this problem has multiple perspectives, it affects many different people in many different ways, then it almost goes to, it's almost obvious that we need to make sure those perspectives are at the table in developing the solutions, right? And so that's, that's where, where I think we sit in our expansion potential and opportunities for C3 is we want to make sure that we have able body, and that's, that is an important piece. We wanna make sure we have able body individuals can sit at these tables where solutions are developed so that the perspectives of their communities can be included into those challenges. I mean, I just think of one thing right now, AI, when it comes to facial recognition, we knew that you saw how many issues we had with the facial recognition issue with individuals who are darker, you know, hue skin. Um, I guarantee you there was nobody who had darker hue skin sitting at the table of the development of that facial recognition. And if there was, they needed to speak up, right? <laughs> to speak up and say, hey, it won't recognize me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so what we're doing is developing a pipeline where we're taking kids from, um, you know, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, I've, never, I've, I've heard of coding, but it's something that nerds do, right? Taking them from that space to a capable coder and then connecting them with the tech companies that we partner with uh, to facilitate internships, maybe even scholarships uh, through to college, and then ultimately employment and even uh, entrepreneurial opportunities uh, as exist. So it's truly a funnel 
uh, to get get some folks at all, you know, going through. There are some things that we're working on uh, that is uh, that is going <clears> to <throat> truly take our C3 Expo and pipeline experience to the next level. But as I said, we are a secret government organization, so it's classified. I can't, I can't, I can't share it right now. But I am when I say I'm over the moon because this is going to be an opportunity for kids to truly dive in and progress at their pace, you know, in the learning of the skill sets, and then being able to focus that on real world challenges and, and issues that they want to solve, that they want to be a party to solving. And so I cannot wait to announce it, but when, <laughs> but uh, I will tell you, it is going to be so dope. And the companies that are partnering with us to bring it to life, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so. It's going to be so good. We also have recently received seven cities around the world. Yes, I said around the world. I know who asked us to come and set up C uh, three chapters in those cities, everywhere from Bermuda, Mexico, uh, and then even some local places here, like on the East Coast. So. Baltimore, Atlanta, Florida. It's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, uh, the exposure that our, our organization uh, has been getting through the work we've been doing. And we just, we just can't wait to just keep working. <laughs> just You're going to have so many junior agents. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I, I, I said this to the team the other day. I think I'm personally going to be satisfied once I see a CEO of a major tech company say that they were a C3 agent when they were a kid. Like when I see that, I think I'll be like, I'm satisfied. We did it. We did it. Well, I, we, we've started seeing whispers of that with us where we've heard yeah. we've had code combat kids starting in middle school who are now full-time engineers that's awesome. and you're going, that's oh, awesome. that's the dream. <laughs> That is perfect. That is, I mean, that is, that is literally why we do this. And I even feel like, I even feel like, even if it's just, even if it's just like one, like, I, I know that sounds crazy because we're doing a lot of work, but just that one gets me excited. Like, even if it's just that one, you, you've not just changed, you know, the future for that kid, you change the future for their family. And then you've also changed the future period because who knows what that kid is going to create? You know what I mean? So I, 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 that's the reason I love the ED tech space because I think the industry provides a, a new front where we all need to get involved with developing solutions that are going to shape our society for the future. So, Right. And I think it's interesting that you use the word pipeline because <laughs> it sounds like it's not just a one-off connection point that you make with your student that it 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 sounds like your plan is to have a long-term relationship with your students what's the thinking behind that I never really envisioned c3 as just kind of like a coding camp that kids go to and just as like a babysitter's club type scenario you know what I mean so for us we've built in some and we're still developing this but built in ways to track these kids where you know, how their learning has progressed. And regardless of what area or sector of tech they decide to go into, 
we we tell them that you know you're once a C three agent, you're in. You know what I mean? You're in. And what's funny is I, I wish I had one. I should I should have brought one. But we actually issue our kids ID badges. You know, like and so they literally have like agent ID badges. And the way that we kind of help facilitate that continued learning is on the back of their ID badge. Uh, it allows it, it's a QR code that gives them access directly into the resource portal on our website where they'll have, you know, resources for learning and some other stuff. You almost got me. You almost got me to go into my little secret. Uh, I'm <laughs> good at that. Good. That, was good. <laughs> I'm like, that was good. That was good. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Like, but that's one of the ways that we track them. Every C3 that they come to is different. So it's not like the same C3. Um, so, we, you know, I'll give you an example. We just worked on uh, a project in Northrop Grumman. And we just did a C3 Expo with them. And so it was based on automation and, and robotics. And so we built the project with them. And that's, you know, and that's the project we took the kids through. So we have kids that come to multiple C3s because it's a different, you know, it's a different project every time. So it's exciting. So that's what keeps them going within us. But we want to help and be a part of their continued learning and then after that, I think it's just more about tracking, kind of like, hey, what are you doing? What are you up to? It's mailing list stuff and, and you know, inviting them to come back and be uh, mentors if they're in the space, you know, if they're in the area and things like that. Great. And did you all hear that? There's a secret <laughs> portal that we'll learn about sometime in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got me. And but it did, <laughs> I didn't I didn't share anything that's classified. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get shot. All right, your junior <laughs> agents aren't gonna follow yeah, up. Not gonna, <laughs> not, I'm not gonna get ousted <laughs> because okay. I gave up. That's good. Bridge. That's good. I didn't get you in too much trouble. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you're talking about the ed tech space and how much we can yeah. all really get on yeah. board with this vision. How could you see scenario-based learning making an impact on the future of ed tech? Our philosophy at at C3. One of the things we've been trying to develop, and this is this is it's really kind of philosophical, but one of the things we've been trying to develop is kind of like a I'm a huge nerd, by the way. So I'm gonna say some things and you're like, huh. Okay, we're <laughs> but, all nerds here. So Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> Go perfect. for it. You know, I you know, this really came to me from the, you know, the the book Ender's Game. I don't know if you remember Ender's Game yet. It's a phenomenal book. In in there's there's something that they do in Ender's Game that is, in my mind, the perfect example of what's possible through scenario-based learning, right? I mean, obviously, you know, they used it for evil, but you know, spoiler like, alert. Spoiler like alert. Spoiler. Oh, oh yeah, that's a bit Ender's of a game's been out forever. Okay, that's true. But just so you know, they ended in up using it for evil purposes, which is fine. <laughs> So I'm sorry to anyone who hasn't read Ender's Game. It's been out forever. It's, that's your that's your bad. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's it's a perfect application of scenario based learning because what they're what the kids in Ender's Game were training in was real life scenarios. I, the military has been doing this for years. Like it's it's not a it's not a new concept. It's just new to education for whatever reason it's new and, and it's hard to even say it's new to education because training is education right so it's new to our elementary level education 
or our academic education. And so for me, it, it is simply, simply that, running these practical scenarios um, in the ED tech space will allow us to see kids who already have affinity. And it's not just for kids. I mean, this could happen at, at any level, but it, it'll show you who has an affinity for the problem. Like that's really who you, what you want to connect. You want to find someone who has an affinity for the problem. I am, here's a perfect example. If I'm a person who really cares about glaciers and the melting of the glaciers, right? In that space. If I had a scenario where I said, the glaciers are melting, that's a real life, right? That's a real life problem. And, and so now if I tell if I tell a, potential learner that if I tell them this is what's happening and you have the opportunity to use all of the power within your mind to develop solutions and you don't have to actually implement these solutions in real life you can model these solutions now the risks is gone right and now that the risk is gone people can tear down the walls of what's possible and and really stretch you know, the, you know, the solution to really bring something that, that could be what we would consider an out of the box, you know, way, way of thinking. And so in the ED tech space, I think we have an opportunity to kind of create these scenarios that model the real life issues that we're trying to solve uh, with technology. And by doing it in this kind of simulated space, kids aren't necessarily at risk of burning down the world you know because it's a it is a scenario well, it also you, sounds like yeah. it will allow kids to feel not afraid to try because yeah. you know it we we learned through our video games they're less afraid to try something new because they know it's the safe world of a video game that's right but I think and they know they have an extra life that's right yeah they have in our game they have forever lives <laughs> but yeah, yes yes it. but no and I really like the um point you made that it's really identifying students who have the affinity for specific scenarios and piggybacking mm -hmm. off of that it sounds like then we really need to work together to make a full library of scenarios. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think the scenarios are endless. Like the scenarios are really, you can almost, you can almost replace scenarios with problems, right? The problems are endless, right? We, we have endless problems that our world and we as humanity face. And so a, a library of those potential solutions, those potential problems or scenarios, like we said, um, where kids can go in and try their hand at developing a off the wall solution. Legos is like my favorite toy. Like I, you should see my, you know, I don't have any Legos in my office, but um, at home, I've got like a whole, whole thing of them. And the thing that while now that I'm older, I've gotten into the Legos, where you kind of build certain models and stuff like that. When I was a kid, the thing I loved about Legos was you get all these bricks and what you get to create just comes out of your mind. There's no rule. There's no, you know, you know the only rule is that it has to be able to snap, right? That's it. Everything else is coming right out of your mind. So a database of, of scenarios that kids can create and dream of solutions will show us the perspectives that really exist 
you know, for the solutions and the perspective of the problem. That's how we, that's how we learn and grow by, by taking the perspective of everyone and seeing what it grows into. So I, I love that. I love that. Right. And bring it to Legos. I have a two-year-old and yeah. uh, actually she's three now. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but <laughs> even comes to Legos, like you said, you could build anything, but if you go into a Lego store, they sell these kits, right? Yeah. With yeah, different yeah. themes. And and mm-hmm. it's interesting what my little one gravitates towards day to day. And it can vary. And so I, I like this concept of saying, hey, you out there in the ed tech and educator space, you know, think about diversifying the scenarios uh, right. so that it's not just appealing to one type of person. Absolutely. And I I love the way you said that. Sometimes it's not a matter of, it's not simply a matter of diversifying the scenario. Sometimes it's a matter of getting the perspective of that scenario. Asking someone who doesn't look like you, hey, you know, when this happens, how does it affect you and your family or how do you, you, you see what I mean? Like, so sometimes once one scenario can have many different perspectives, you know, to it. And if you allow all of those individuals to bring their, their perspective, what you may see is that they all have solutions that don't look the same, right? <laughs> exactly, don't look the same. And so I think it's both, I think it's both of those, like a plethora of scenarios, but even within that scenario, engaging more people to the table to essentially, you know, make sure that we've captured solutions that take care of everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Great point. And yeah, piggybacking yeah. off of that, uh, yeah. what advice would you give to someone who is interested in trying out scenario-based learning, either in their classroom or in the product they're developing? I almost say it's automatic with this generation. If, if you are intent on engaging individuals in the K through 12 space, I would even say even early, you know, I would even say it, it actually applies in college as well. But if you're engaging anyone in that learner's space, you need to have some type of scenario-based approach to what you do whether it's gamifying like you guys at code combat whether it's like events like you know like we do at c3 there has to be so particularly for teachers one of the things that we're working on developing for teachers is trying to put um give them the models for uh you know for the scenarios and 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 also the skill the, the the learning curriculum so that they can use it in the classroom just to make it easier for them. So that's something that we are kind of working to develop. And I mean, I've met with so many teachers and principals and they're just like, you guys gotta come to our school. Like you gotta come to our school. But I've seen teachers who do this all the time. They do have some teachers who I think really understand it. And they're the ones who dress up like a, a mad scientist when they talk to the kids in class, you know, those are the ones you remember. The only thing I have to say to individuals who are you know, whether it's developing products or teaching kids, like you gotta find a way to connect with them uh, and connect them to scenarios that create practical ways of learning. I think gone are the days, in my opinion, where we're just learning principles just for learning's sake. I think we, we certainly need to pivot to, to connecting the, the practical application to learning. And in my mind, scenario-based learning helps to do that. Great point. 
And for someone who's just starting, it can seem quite intimidating. You gotta oh, get yeah. your mad scientist costume together and your story. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't start uh, at Wakanda, right? No. <laughs> where where can it was they? Three kids. You know how how can they get over that intimidating start? Like where where can they start? It, it it's it's funny, you know. Any if you have an issue with starting, you know, this is probably just too going too far but if you have an issue with starting you really need to kind of look inside like this is it's fun it literally is fun and i i don't think it takes a lot i don't think it takes a lot to create scenarios i mean one one time we went to uh, a school and what we did was we had the teacher get a phone call and the phone call ended up being from like you know uh Director Fury from Shield in the comic book, right? And 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 that phone call came in asking the kids for help. And so, like simple things like that, where even if you didn't want to dress up or what have you, being able to implement these kind of little things that kind of make the story real, um, I, I think will absolutely, you know, absolutely start. But if you remember the teacher who who taught me my first interaction with scenario based learning. He wrote them down on a piece of paper like this and walked in the class and handed it to us. So I think start with whatever creativity you have for sure. But I, I think what, what matters most is connecting with those practical uh, experiences for kids. So finding things that the kids actually care about and connecting the learning to that. That is the best way to start. You can't find stuff that you care about as an adult because it's just not the same. <laughs> maybe maybe you've got to find some Pokemon stuff, or maybe you've got to find some comic book stuff, or maybe you've got to find some anime stuff. You know, you've got to find out where the kids are connecting and then utilizing those things to bring their, to, to actually activate their mind and engagement to, to, to the learning. Wonderful advice, Kevin. And yeah. thanks so much again for being part of the uh, podcast. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. And this is so exciting. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. <laughs> love you too. And again, we talked about there's a secret portal. So keep an eye out for that. You are going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I know. I'm going to try. All right. Thank you. No problem. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.